The House Education Committee was very busy during the first leg of the 151st General Assembly. In addition to hearing many historic pieces of legislation, like HB 100 and HB 86, which will provide critical funding for our most vulnerable students, the committee also worked on a number of bills aimed at making our education system better and more equitable for all students, from kindergartners to adults looking to develop new professional skills. We'll hear more about these bills and their tangible effects on students, parents, and educators from House Education Committee Chair Representative Kim Williams and Vice Chair Representative Nambi Chukoja. From the Delaware House Democratic Caucus, this is Whip Count. Representative Kim Williams, who is chair of the House Education Committee, is joining us now. And Representative Williams, I know that you've won several awards and been recognized for your advocacy in education. For those that don't know, what exactly was it that drew you to the field of education and how did you become involved? Uh, both of my kids uh, had a developmental delay. I got involved uh, in, in helping them attain the services that were needed, but also educate myself because uh, at the time you have to go through various agencies to get testing for dis- children with disabilities. So they were de- uh, developmentally delayed. Um, they ended up having to have services through Easter sales to a certain age. And then at the time they went through Delaware Curative which is no longer around. And then they went into like a a classroom for preschool that had typical children and and children with disabilities. Um, So I I became very interested in education, got very involved in my daughter and my son's uh, elementary school, was involved with mentoring uh, the PTA and ran for a seat on the school board, became um, a member of the Redclay School Board and also ran an education blog uh, that had that I worked with another parent and um, folks would, you know, write in questions or leave comments about educational issues. So it's just been following my kids through middle school, high school, and just learning about the, you know, the great things that go on in our public school system and some of the challenges. So I I feel like I was on the job uh, training for the, for throughout my children's uh, educational years. So you mentioned that your children's developmental delays is what led you to become such a fierce advocate. And I understand that you actually recently worked on a few bills that are designed to address those delays at an early age. So can you talk about those and what they are going to do for our young Delaware students? Sure. So one of the bills that I have been working uh, on with, along with Senator Poor for the last over six years through many general assemblies was currently um, our funding system for children with disabilities. We fund three, there's like three tiers. It's basic, complex, intensive. Well, it's uh, basic, intensive, and complex if I put them in the right order. And we fund them for uh, intensive and complex. We start at pre-K all the way up through 12th grade. But for some reason, we funded uh, basic from 4th to 12th. I think there was something called a blended unit when this was all developed, but it wasn't enough. There, there's not enough in the blended unit to help the basic kids. And so school districts and charters are required to provide services for any child with a disability, but the resources, the teacher units weren't there like they are for intensive and complex students. So Senator Poor and I have been working on this bill to have funding uh, included from kindergarten through third grade. And 
Um, I'm very happy that this year is the year. Well, over the last few years, JFC has been very generous in adding some money towards this bill, but the bill has never been fully funded or signed into law. It was just an epilogue. So this year, the governor did recently sign House Bill 86 into law, which would fund basic uh, students kindergarten through third grade over the next several years. I think uh, in three years, it'll be fully funded. And I'm very thankful for the governor and for the General Assembly, but this also came out of the uh, educational settlement through the ACLU and the NAACP, their lawsuit against the state. So I thank them for bringing this forward, too, because I'm not really sure if the bill would have passed this year if it wasn't for the lawsuit. So I thank everyone that was involved. And what about HB202, your developmental screening bill? Yeah, so the developmental screening bill. Actually, we did some uh, research and we think we were the first. It hasn't been signed into law yet. Uh, I think we are the first in the nation to have this. So I am extremely excited about that. And I can't take credit for this bill. I have to give credit to Dawn Alexander from Colonial, who really helped me um, with this bill. But this is a great tool to catch kids who might have a mild disability very, very early in their early learning centers. And uh, so I'm very excited about this. You know, you think about a child that might have, you know, some vision concerns and the fix is glasses, but the child never gets glasses until years later where they're, you know, far behind in their, you know, where they're at in their grade level. So like this bill will just add another tool in place to help catch our kids early uh, and give them the resources because we all know the earlier you catch the disability the, and the more resources you provide early on, the better it is for them in the long run and the better it is for the state. So I'm excited about that. But I thank Dawn Alexander for that bill. Yeah, and I know some of this stuff has been years in the making and has been long anticipated. So are you getting mostly positive feedback? What are people saying now that we're beginning to pass some of these important measures? Oh, yes. Like for the K through three basic special education funding, I mean, DSCA, the PTA, there are so many advocacy groups that have helped with that. Everyone is thrilled to death. I mean, we're celebrating that that bill was signed into law. It's just, it's going to help with, it's going to help give more resources in, in these classrooms. It will help with having smaller class sizes. I mean, I'm just so excited about it. I can't wait to see what how it actually is when it's fully implemented and funded, you know, in the next few years. But I know the districts and charters are thrilled about this. Like this bill will also help, like, especially like the charter schools that have their focus on special education students. Um, I think positive outcome and gateway. I think gateway just, I believe that they are approved to expand. I don't know if they started at second or third grade, but I believe that they asked for a modification uh, to have lower grade levels. So this will be a great tool for them to have additional funds for their students and, and their educators and staff. So. I understand that the Education Committee also worked on several COVID response bills. So could you talk about those and, and how they were designed to help students and teachers through this particularly disruptive time in our education system? So um, we did change the evaluation system for our educators. So that bill um, we had worked on, DSCA and DOE and DASA and other partners over the last few years. 
Um, there was a, like a education subcommittee that was formed through DOE that all those staff members and educators have actually, they did a lot of the work. I was just fortunate enough to be able to bring the bill forward, but it removes the main component. What it does is when we look at evaluating teachers, it's more student focused instead of punishment through our state testing system. So that's the one thing I don't agree with. And I know there's other, many others that don't agree is using our state assessment to evaluate teachers, educators. Um, I think there's other ways of doing it. And I am glad that that bill passed and that we are removing the state assessment from there. So it came at a a really good time. And, you know, we want to, we want to prop teachers up. We want to, you know, mentor teachers. We want to help teachers become the best they can be and and not, um, you know, judge a teacher based on a state assessment. And, and talking about educators, one of the bills that I'm really like I was I loved was the um, I think it was House Bill 178, the year long teacher residency program. That is something that has um, Wilmington U started uh, through a pilot program. I know they worked with Red Clay years ago, and I remember going through Ritchie Elementary School, which um, had some of the residency teachers in there early on, and I thought, what a great program having an educator come in at the you know they're in college, they're you know looking to um, get their bachelor's degree and elementary ed, and they come in and they they're able to spend the entire year with a highly qualified teacher, educator, and learn everything there is to learn about what it's like to run a classroom, how to manage, you know, how to have your PLCs, and just have people to be able to talk to and ask questions to. I just think that is just a remarkable, remarkable way to get your license and have that, like that resource, that tool under your belt. You have friendships, um, you know how to run a classroom, you know, start to finish. And so I am so glad that we um, wrote a bill. There was a million dollars put into it. And I believe this year or this, you know, budget year. And um, we're so excited about expanding that program and trying to get more and more funds for that. I just think that's an amazing program. And all our colleges and universities are getting on board. And um, I just think it's a great, it's a great way to diversify our educator pool. It's a great way for to have teacher retention. Um, I just, I I can't say enough great things about that. So kudos to the districts that, uh, you know, participated early on, Wilmington U for, you know, bringing that to us and for, you know, the Department of Ed for, and and the governor's office for their willingness to, you know, uh, start this type of program. The education committee was obviously really busy this year. I know sometimes your meetings could go up to three or four hours long. I think our longest one was like four hours long. I think the reason why our committee meetings were so much longer is we had so much more participation because of Zoom. Like I believe at times, because uh, I used to keep track of how many people were on there. And I think at one time there may have been over 200 people participating which is wonderful. It's a great way for people like um, educators who can't get down, you know, to Dover on a Wednesday. That means they have to take off school, take personal time, or, you know, if they have people have childcare issues or jobs, you know, they could take their lunch break and participate 
in Zoom. You know, you could do it from your car, you could do it from your classroom, you could do it from your living room, you can still provide public comment. It's a great way of educating folks about what we're doing and what's going on. So I'm hoping that when we, you know, hopefully go back in person that we still are able to have implement some of that because I just think it was a, a great way to have more um, people, more transparency for folks to see what's going on, to hear what we're doing. And we had quite a few, like really, we have um, a lot of engaged uh, House committee members and Senate members and just General Assembly members that are bringing these great bills through. So, you know, there was a lot of great dialogue, a lot of great discussion, which I was so proud of, you know, both the House and the Senate and the Dems and the Republicans for engaging in such thoughtful conversation for the most part. Um, I really appreciate everyone's willingness to stay on, listen. Uh, Representative Dorsey Walker, one of um, one ninety eight. That there was a lot of people who signed up for public comment, and 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 some of them were students. And I know we went on for a long, long time, but I. I felt it extremely important to make sure every voice was heard that signed up. And I did not, I was going to stay to the end and listen to everyone. And, and I am glad that most of my colleagues did. I, you know, I know some people may have had to jump off because they had other civic, in, you know, meetings or things, but, you know, I don't always want to hold a four hour meeting, but that day it was necessary to hear the people's voice. And with that, do you have any closing thoughts or anything that you wanted to add? No, I just, I, I love being chair of the House Education Committee. Um, and I, I respect the members who are on there with me and appreciate my colleagues, you know, with the thoughtful debate. And I'm very excited. I think we had like uh, close to 30 education bills come through. Many of them have been signed into law. And so I'm proud of the work that we're all doing, and I'm looking forward to the second half of the General Assembly. And we're joined now by Representative Anabdi Chikwocha, who is Vice Chair of the House Education Committee. So, Representative Chikwocha, before we dive into this interview, could you tell us what drew you to education issues and why you've been such an education advocate? I mean, started my career very early on in youth services and worked a few years within the school district and been a community and school-based social worker majority of my career. So education is very paramount issue to me and something I'm very passionate and is very dear to not only my, my work as an elected official, but my work as, as a social worker as well. So as a school-based social worker, what kind of impact do you think Representative Longhurst HB 100 will have on our young students? And of course, for those that don't know, HB 100 is a bill that funds mental health services for elementary school students in Delaware. I think it's great. I mean, HB 100 providing additional supports for, for high need students uh, um, definitely needed. We know that having additional social workers, guidance counselors, therapists inside of our high need schools is, has been a critical need for a very long time. And hopefully the bill will be implemented in, in the way that it was intended and will have the desired impact inside of our schools and our children will, will benefit from this investment. So you've been doing a lot of work with the Reading Consortium, which is a, a task force designed to look at education inequity in our state and try to come up with some solutions for that. Your team released a list of recommendations back in January. So what were those recommendations and what is the status of those? Have you been working on anything in the 151st General Assembly? Yeah, well, we're 
With the Reading Consortium for Educational Equity, Senator Walker and myself created that body to initially look at just the governance uh, and educational inequities within that, particularly for the, the city of Wilmington. But as we began to look into that issue, we realized that it was very, there is a, a, an array of uh, inequities and in from, from teacher recruitment, retention and other areas of need within our schools that the, the consortium began to look at outside of the governance issue. Still one very important issue, again, why it was created to look at the, the four district model that, that operates, provides educational services to the students and family in, in Wilmington. So trying to really undo many of the things that were, were created with the uh, 2000 uh, Neighborhood Schools Act, which, which uh, basically created high, uh, many high needs, high poverty schools within the city of Wilmington. So our recommendations from the Reading Consortium so far has been just to provide some support to our, our partner districts that, that work and lead the schools inside of our, our city of Wilmington, but also statewide, because many of these inequities are, are not just, they, they may be more severe in Wilmington, but they can also be seen throughout our, our state and other areas of Kent and Sussex counties as well. Of course, opportunity funding is a, is a big component of that, but is there any other bills that you've been working on? Um, there, there were a few uh, um, that dealt with it. Um, Representative uh, Williams had to deal with, with spec ed funding. That was definitely very uh, related to the work of, of the Reading Consortium as well. And look, looking forward, I, I know a lot of our, our work we spent uh, looking at the referendum reform. And so hopefully they have uh, some bills coming forward with that. And we also passed uh, in the in House and are continuing to work with the DOE and the governor's office on the second unit count measure, which was also a mid-unit count, uh, very important to, to the work of, of Reading. And then just continuing the, the, the work, I mean, the true intent of Reading, of dealing with the, the governance and, and just the overall structure and the foundation of education and the way it's delivered within the city of Wilmington. I think those are, are the key issues for, for Reading going forward and truly look forward to, to being involved in this discussion to, to further legislation and also action within our, our communities to improve the educational outcomes for our children. And for those that don't know, could you explain what a unit count is? The unit count are, is basically the way our, our, our schools are funded. So a, a, a unit is so, so many students in our state, we have a, a, a student, our, our teachers are derived from the number of students. So you, uh, a unit comes from the number of students, creates a unit and those teachers are, are so many units means you have a, a teacher, you can afford to pay for a teacher. So our, our, our count is basically based, you know, some say backwards because, you know, we're, we're funding positions rather than funding student needs. So really, to get at equity and that's some of the things that also came from the educational uh, settlement this uh, last year was, was really looking at the way our schools are, are funded read and try to, to look into that and again having that second unit count was one way to address it because as of right now on september 30th we count all of the students who are inside of your school and then that's how you generate your funding for the year but we want to say some schools, many schools experience growth throughout the school year, so they would have additional students 
with additional needs and they wouldn't have resources to, to meet the needs of those students. So having a second mid-year count would allow schools and school districts that experience growth to have resources and, and supports to meet the needs of those students. Right. That seems like a pretty straightforward solution to looking at a better picture of what's going on in our schools to better match the funding. I know that you're doing another bill that would look at our funding system more in depth, and that's HCR 24. So could you talk about that and, and what exactly does it mean to modernize our funding system? Just really taking our, our system from, from where it is now, and some say that the unit count is, you know, it, it, it's old, it's antiquated, it, it's not meeting the needs of our, of our districts, of our students and their families in our schools today. So really having a, a funding model that meets the needs of, of our children so that they're able to have their, their needs met both inside and outside of the classroom. And that's what uh, the, the, the House Resolution 24 what was about, about really uh, as a, and also part of, of the lawsuit in the settlement was for, to, for our state to agree to have uh, an outside assessment of our, our funding system take place. So this is really setting in place some of the, the areas of concern, some of the gaps that, that we know exist and just saying, let, let's address this. So before these outside evaluators come in, let's, let's know that these are some areas of, of focus that, that we would like to address. So there are, are, again, when we go through this process, we can truly come out on the other end with a funding system that, that meets the needs uh, of our students, our district, our, our schools, and our families. So who is working on this, and when can we expect to hear back? Yeah, that's in, in 2024. Is, is when outside assessment will, will come. I mean, it takes place. So our, our, I guess our immediate stance, and that's what the resolution was saying, we don't need to wait because we know some of these inequities exist. So let's do what we can now to, to really set the stage so when these evaluators come in, again, they will have the, the, the current data, they will have the resources that enables them to, to make a, a good decision so that the report they give back to our education committees and to our Department of Education is, is really sound and rooted in, and truly rooted in the best interests of, of our students. I know that you also worked on a few bills that will benefit a specific group of students, and that is our military-connected students, of which we have a lot of in Delaware. So could you talk about those bills? Well, there, there were a, a few bills that dealt with military service-connected families. There was the... Uh, purple star recognition, which recognizes our, our schools and districts that just provide additional supports for our, our students and military service connected families. That's, that's a big deal. I mean, when you have students who, who are military service connected, often they, they move around a lot and just having supports that, that embrace students and families, having a, a, another bill allow the students and families of military service connected students to register early. So as soon as they, they will receive their, their transfer notice, they will be able to register for the next year, cut it back on the disruptions uh, within the learning process for, for our students and families, and then allows for a more seamless transition to, to their new schools. And the, another bill dealt with military service connected students who are in our higher education uh, facilities and they were able to maintain that in-state recognition as long as they, they were connected to that school, which is a big deal because, again, they, they, their parents served here 
and they were connected here. And even, although they may move, they, they still were allowed to, to serve. I mean, still were allowed to have that in-state tuition rate. I think those are a free few of the, the key bills that were military service connected and really shows our support. And as a, a proud veteran, those bills really mean that the, the world to me it really shows how we support those who just protect us every day and give us so much that, that we take for granted. So this is a way just to recognize them and to truly provide our, our thanks and continue support. Any closing thoughts or anything that you want to add about any of the work you're doing on education or any bills that you're looking forward to next year? Yeah, again, I mean, a lot of the, the work that we started with, with Reading, educational equity, really geared toward, uh, again, that centralization issue to me. I mean, really the foundation of, of education in, in my home city of, of Wilmington. We have so many schools that, that, are, that are struggling, and we want to do something about it. We really want to try to level the playing field so that, that our, our schools and districts are able to, to assist our city, assist our, our communities with the growth and development that, that's needed for our students so that they can flourish and, and, and truly live the lives that, that we know they, they can and, and go to school inside of schools that are, are welcoming, that are encouraging. And, and then the other thing, uh, big for the city of Wilmington, uh, our, our first new school being built within the city of Wilmington, New Bancroft School, first school since the mid 70s being built in our city. I mean, that, that's a big deal because many of our, our schools are, they have, they're old and they don't have updated uh, facilities or technology and a lot of resources go to heating and, and cooling these buildings. And those same resources truly go into the classroom of educating our, our, our children. So I think there are a few things on the horizon that we're looking forward to. One thing in particular to me is just trying to address that, that core issue of governance for, for our schools. This four district model over the past 40 plus years has proven to be a failure and that it doesn't meet the needs of, of Wilmington. So trying to find a, a path forward, a, a true path that our districts and the Department of Education and State Board of Education can, can agree on one that will, will just help push uh, the educational outcomes for, for our, our students forward and to, to give truly give our, our communities and families a, a voice. Town is brought to you by the Delaware House Democratic Caucus. You can find us on Facebook at DE House Dems, on Instagram, DE House Dems, and Twitter, also DE House Dems. Make sure you're subscribed to WebCount so you can keep up to date with the latest happenings at Legislative Hall.